0: Hello and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. My name is Zach Faulkner-Barfield and alongside me is the always dapper, the charming and gregarious Mr. James
1: Marwood. Good morning, Zach. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm very good. It's a little chilly where I am, so I'm wrapped up in a very nice, thick, warm jumper and I'm all cosy. Ready to podcast.
0: It's dropped in temperature again and it's reasonably bright. But it's that typical sort of February UK day, which is not quite right.
1: Yes, bright sun and frost.
0: It's not yesterday when it was nice and what I call England grey.
1: Yes, indeed. We're cracking into February
0: now, yes, and um, did a little bit of gent news today, and it's what's caught our eye in the, in the world, and then um, next week is Valentine's, St Valentine's Day. We're going to do, do a little bit of dressing for a date, and then I think we should put our little chefing culinary hats on, and you and I give some tips to the uh, ladies and gentlemen out there about cooking for a Valentine's dinner.
1: Yes, I think that would be good.
0: Well, let's crack on. What's caught your eye in the world of gentlemanliness?
1: I saw something really fun. Do you remember a while ago we talked about a gentleman's club at a school in America?
0: We did, yes, absolutely.
1: They were back in the the news. I saw an article where they'd been on a trip, which was cool. So two things about that that made me really happy. The first is that they're still going. The other was that looking at the pictures, it's grown. The Distinguished Gentleman Club, when first we saw it, had maybe 12 boys in it, and looking at the picture now, it looks to have doubled in size, which is brilliant, and proof that it's working, hopefully. And then another school has opened up a similar club, so this is Gentleman's Club in Boynton Beach. The school's called Forest Park Elementary. It's fourth and fifth graders, and they meet every week, and they wear white dress shirts, proper trousers, ties. They learn table manners. They talk about what it means to be a man, to be a gentleman. (coughs) There's a really nice piece there from the assistant principal, a lady called Tony McMillan, who says she doesn't see these boys in her office anymore. These were boys who were getting in trouble, and now they're not. And the shy boys are getting a bit of a voice. This is great, and it really appears to be spreading. Very happy about this. I think that's absolutely wonderful hopefully we'll start to see some of that coming here
0: maybe there's something we should do there is start little gentlemen's clubs around in schools might be a good Mm. thing to do
1: as much as we have fun with this and we talk about it it is really important for young men to learn how to act and if nobody teaches you how do you learn
0: so true the teaching of it in itself is a lost art i think it's very good boyton beach Gentlemen's club we salute you yes indeed and what have you seen there was an interesting article by winston chesterfield and it's uh, the confession of a menswear blogger Mm. and it's the dark side of the menswear blogging World, it's quite interesting. It's that thing about giving free stuff to review mm-hmm. and then guilting yourself in saying that you have to review it positively, so you turn yes. it into an advertorial rather than a legitimate review. Yes, and that's the way you get stuff. You don't get paid generally for these kind of things. They sort of say, Oh, we'll give you something to review, which is generally very lovely. And we've done it here where we review stuff. It's that kind of dark side of it whether you should do it whether you should just pay for it. Could you give an objective review if you're giving it for free? Of course, you have to admit if you've been given it or whether you paid for it or not. Uh, And it's an interesting article. As we always frequently say to anyone that gives us stuff, we say we will review it if we like it. We say we won't review it if we don't like it. So if you don't get a review from us, we didn't (laughs) like it.
1: Yes, and I must admit, this is something that I've thought about quite a bit. I know, for example, some of the blogs that I follow are very open and explicit in their terms on this. For example, the guys that put this on are really strong on holding the line on this. Permanent Style, which is one of my favorite style and menswear blogs. Simon, who runs that, has I think become more open over time, which is a good thing, as he's become more connected. You know, he focuses a lot on dealing with the producers and the retailers and the makers at the high-end menswear market. It's really important for people to be able to trust. You can see how this happened. I think especially with the lifestyle blogger types, you know, these guys put so much work into what they do. It's only right they should get something out of it. And if a PR company or a a firm wants to give them something, that's good, but then what is the cost? I think so long as you're open and honest with your readers and you're open and honest with yourself, that's fair enough. I've had things to review that I've been slightly negative about, But I think the the option to not talk about it is quite a good one. One thing that I do like, there's a series of tech podcasts that I follow and quite enjoy, Accidental Tech Podcast and The Talk Show. They include adverts during their podcast. So they have advert breaks. And what's interesting to me is that you can tell when you know them, what they actually think about the product. So if they're just reading the copy from the advertiser, you know that it's something they either don't like or don't use. But when they say, I like this, I use this, I can recommend it, then you know it's something that they actually do use and like. And they're very open about saying, these guys are paying us to advertise this product but we really like it, so we talk about it. And then others, where they say, this is the product that we've been asked to advertise, this is the information, which is a subtle way of doing it.
0: I agree. I mean, we were always very honest about whether we've given free stuff or not here at Perfect Gentleman and whether we purchase stuff that we're reviewing. Most of the things we review, certainly anything culturally we review, we pay for generally. And we've been given a few free things along the way, grooming products and uh, other products. And as you say, we won't review stuff if we don't like it. I mean, it's that old edit, if you have nothing... Like to say don't say anything.
1: I think that's fair. If it was something that was really bad or there was a problem with or something like that, then we'd have to look at exactly how we did that. But if it's something just, you know, we get sent a tie, for example, and it's not very well made and it's not very stylish and we don't like it, nah, we're just not going to talk about it. Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, if there's something like we reviewed the pants the other week where in baseline they were fine and there was just one little niggle about them, I think we will do that. As gentlemen, we're not going to sit there and rant about somebody products in a negative way, not us. So what else has caught your eye, sir?
1: I saw a really interesting article on a site called Refinery29 with the intriguing title of why women are swiping left on America's most popular men's haircut. <laughs> it's really interesting. So the haircut in question is worryingly similar to both yours and mine, Zach. Short on the side, longish on top, side parting, a traditional man's haircut but apparently to connie wang who wrote this article she calls it the undercut or the macklemore and it's associated with urban hipsters ryan gosling and that type which is news to me it's been how i've cut my hair for many or i've had my hair <laughs> cut for many years yeah i don't have mine quite as short as the chaps in this article as macklemore and all but apparently this hair has been taken up by the alt-right and has been renamed the fasci As in fascist. (laughs) This is interesting. And apparently, as a result, some women who are dating chaps or might be dating chaps with these haircuts are saying, no thanks, because of the haircut.
0: Like you, I don't have my hair that short at the sides. When you pointed this article out, it was the news to me that I'm an urban hipster in my haircut.
1: (laughs) I've had this haircut now for probably something like seven, eight years, something like that. I was probably a hipster before it was cool.
0: It's funny because I cut my hair too, not the shortest, as you say, the chaps in the article uh, along the sides. But my hair grows so fast. So generally what happens is by week four, I get to the point where my fringe looks more like I should be the lead singer of the flock of seagulls. For anyone who's under the age of 40, it was an 80s band who the chap had a very, very long fringe. So that's one of the reasons I actually cut it like that, because it grows so fast. I don't think you and I could ever be claimed as members of the alt-right.
1: No, but it's interesting. Why do these guys go for all that heck? Why has it been... America's most popular haircut. Actually, it started in Elizabethan times and was the haircut right up until the beginning of the 60s, the default haircut for a lot of men. Yeah. It's neat, it's smart, it's professional, but it has that asymmetry, which is quite pleasing. It might be overdone if fashion or trend is your thing. It might not be the most fashionable. Also, especially when you travel, very few barbers can really mess it up. You can walk into pretty much any barbers anywhere in the Western world and get that haircut. I've got my haircut in India and the guy there gave me a cracking cut that
0: way. Well, neither of you and I are on the online dating world either, so we're not worrying so much about that.
1: If somebody's going to judge me on my haircut to that extent and think he's got that haircut, he must be a fascist probably not someone I want to know anyway
0: <laughs> there is that moving swiftly on from alt-right haircuts something caught my eye is an article in Glamour magazine talking about jobs and advice and it is eight old school work etiquette rules you should always follow at work it's not stuff that we haven't said before <laughs> Um, but it is interesting to have them written down and the fact that everyone still needs to learn them. I think that's the one thing that fascinates me is why do we keep having to tell people the same thing?
1: You know, I was looking at this list of rules and thinking, well, yes. Yes, and I was waiting to get to the, the one that we already recorded. <laughs> ah, of course. They, they, but actually, these are just the basics of human interaction.
0: Yeah, and common courtesy and base manners.
1: Do you want to talk us through what's recommended?
0: Number one, respect your co-workers' privacy, whatever it is, whether it's their cubicle, their email, their text, whatever it is. If it's not yours, don't read it, touch it, share it, eat it. Yeah, that's obvious. Yeah, pretty obvious. Ask before you borrow anything. Oh, dear God. Really? Are we in this position? Of course you should ask someone before you borrow anything. Stand up to show respect. Yes, you and I would agree with this
1: one. There are some contextual... Issues to face. Generally speaking When someone comes into a meeting Or comes into your office Or what have you You stand to show respect If it's the sort of meeting Where people are popping in and out You don't want to be jumping up and down Out of your chair No But yes Especially when your boss enters Or you're waiting in the meeting room And someone turns up That's the time to to stand up Definitely
0: Very much so And then one of my favourite ones is Don't email time sensitive information You know my bugbear about email And email communication Email is not text Email is not a phone call if you want to impart of information quickly, pick up the phone. I hate the thing where you sit there and you're having 20 emails to arrange one five-minute coffee.
1: Indeed, I will if I'm in an office, and this is one of the rules when I'm leading teams, I'm explicit about it, we have a conversation about it. If I'm sat working and you're sat working and I'm going to send you some information that you don't need now, I'm not going to interrupt you, but if it's something that has a time limit on it or it's important or i need you to act on this i tell you emails for time shifting things i put things in your inbox for you to pay attention to when you choose the time if i need to give you a specific time I have to tell you, otherwise I don't know you're going to see it.
0: Absolutely. Next one on the list is watch your mouth. Consider when you're swearing. Absolutely. It's very rare that I swear in public occasionally. I have used it for effect when I'm lecturing, but um, keep it to a minimum. It's not
1: just curse words or profanity. It's also things like talking about religion or politics Mm. inappropriately or demeaning people or you might be saying something with what on the face of it sounds like polite language but the content is actually rude or it's making someone feel inferior or putting them down there's no need for any of that
0: and then the next one which i wholeheartedly appreciate is give thanks and they say about handwritten notes absolutely but just the basics of saying thank you for stuff
1: Absolutely. There's an interesting book by a guy called Thomas C. Corley, mm-hmm. Change Your to Change Your Life. His first basic etiquette rule is send thank you cards. Yeah. Not an email or a Facebook message, but a physical handwritten card.
0: Yeah, I have a stack of them in my, if anyone sends me anything or does anything well worth writing a note to. If I don't see them to say thank you, I certainly will do that. But also just the basics of say thank you. Thank you for the cup of coffee. Thank you for getting this dude. Thank you for... Sending that email, the basics of just please and thank you.
1: On that topic, there's a really interesting product that I picked up at Waterstones. It's a little correspondence kit. It's a pack of cards and envelopes for things like thank you or commiseration and that kind of thing. But what's really interesting is the guy who did that, Nathan Tan, included a little booklet. It's called A Forgetful Gentleman's Guide to Articulate Writing. And he has almost pro forma thank you messages to write, which, if you've not done this sort of thing before, is quite interesting. So, for example, his how to say thank you is thank you for the dot, 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 for my dot, dot, dot. Your thoughtful gift is dot 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 and will give me cause to smile thinking of you each time it is used really simple and short and he does it with a lot of humor thank you for the opportunity to interview for the human cannibal (laughs) and the explosive work environment (laughs) there are loads of examples of how to write a good thank you note on the internet just a brief little written thanks goes a long way
0: just the simple stuff really really works the next one is another one we've discussed before My other dislike is open plan offices. And it's talking about keeping your voice down, having your loud, shouty conversations with your mates on the phone whilst everyone else is working is not good. Also, you're having really in depth conversations about stuff that you shouldn't really have, whether it's work or not. Most people have a volume problem. (laughs) I frequently discover this on the tube or the train. Yes, indeed. Last one, lastly, is keep it clean. In other words, keep your cubicle, your desk, your kitchen, everything that you share, whether that's your personal space in the office or the space in the kitchen or wherever it is,
1: keep it clean. This goes back to something that I've done right from the earliest part of my career. And it was something I was taught early on by a manager that I worked for. At the end of the day, I always clean my workspace, not just my desk, but the office. And if I'm working for people, I'll do everything. If I have people working for me, I'll ask them to do it and do it with them. But simple things like pick the coffee cups up, put them in the bin, give the table a quick wipe, clean the whiteboard if necessary. It's interesting that this is one of the principles used in Lean, which is a, a manufacturing methodology that works really well in offices as well, where you have this S approach to sort, straighten, shine, standardise and sustain. But the idea is you'll be much more effective and efficient in a clean workspace. And it's much more pleasant to work in.
0: So what was that tidy space, tidy mind, tidy... Future kind of thing. Anyway, that's our little gentlemanly news section. And if there's anything that you want us to cover, or either some article or thing that you want us to discuss, please feel free to drop us an email at enquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv, or you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, either through the Perfect Gentleman, which is the P Gentleman or P Gentlemen, depending on the social medium, or you can contact James or I directly on Twitter and Instagram or Facebook we're all on all of them so um it's valentine's day next week james
1: yes indeed
0: one of the reasons i started the perfect gentleman was because one thing more than anything else bugged me i would watch couples who are obviously out on a date the lady as most ladies will do have spent some time preparing for the date and is dressed up and looking beautiful and the gentleman looks like he's just fallen off the couch after playing playstation for three hours and it drives me nuts. We've ranted about this before, but it's worth ranting about again, I think. Until the world changes on this respect, it's worth the rant. Yes, um, indeed. Gentlemen, dress better. Respect the date. Respect the lady. Respect the situation. Make some effort.
1: It's interesting, This uh, the Art of Manliness, which is a blog I quite like, although it gets a little bit funny at times. But they have this rule. If you're going out on a date with a woman, dress like a man, not like a boy. That's the point.
0: Yeah. Unless they're amazingly well fitted jeans, leave the jeans at
1: home. It kind of depends a little bit on where you're going. If you're going to a nice restaurant, wear a suit. If you're going to a a rock bar for drinks or you're going for mid-afternoon coffee, then your best interview suit probably isn't the best thing to wear either pay attention to what you're doing show some thought for it dress better than you think
0: you should yes
1: it's a long time since i've dated as such but me and my other half of duchess we go out fairly regularly i tend to have three levels that i wear so if we're going somewhere nice i'll wear a suit if we're going somewhere medium nice i'll wear an odd jacket a sport coat and more casual trousers or chinos and if we're going just to the pub for a drink you know i might wear chinos or nice dark jeans and I'll put a polo shirt on normally a long sleeve polo that sort of thing
0: I agree with you there is levels of date I mean let's talk specifically about Valentine's Day if you're going out for Valentine's Day generally it's going to be at a nice restaurant wear a suit if you're going to a nice restaurant wear a suit you don't have to wear a tie you don't have to be as fastidious as James or I but wear a suit wear a suit that fits wear good shoes that you've cleaned yes put some effort in because I guarantee you the lady has done so I guarantee you, you know, whether it's the first date or the 10th date or the 20th date or the 100th date, your lady will have put effort in.
1: Absolutely. And if a suit isn't part of your normal attire or it's not what you want to wear, wear separate. That's fine. A shirt with a collar, a jacket with lapels that fits properly, a pair of trousers and some well-shined shoes. That's the basics. Yes,
0: absolutely. It's just the basics. And unfortunately or fortunately, you'll be better than 90% of the men out there.
1: I know people who probably would spend an awful lot of time thinking where to go, thinking what to say, planning a really pleasant evening. And then just, you know, like the guy who's rolled off the sofa after playing PlayStation, you know, that's just a really easy way to screw it up.
0: Yeah, completely. Gentlemen, don't screw it up. I guarantee you the lady will appreciate it.
1: Intage. and when you're on the date any tips for how to actually do it
0: how do you pay on a date well as we all say listen first communicate listening is the key part of communication whether it's the first date or the 10th date or the 100th date listen to your partner and respond to what they say ask interesting questions
1: but also you don't want to be just constantly bombarding someone with questions it's got to be a relaxed conversation but when she's talking shut up and listen And one of the things that I think is key to remember is that, especially if this is your first Valentine's or if it's a first date, it's as nerve-wracking for her as it is for you. You know, she's going to be stressing about, does she look right? Is she going to make a good impression? Are you going to turn up? So being five minutes early is always a nice point. Oh, yes. So,
0: gentlemen, behave well on a date, but first and foremost... (laughs) dress well so
1: if you're cooking then
0: dinner for two you and i james have well we we do like our cooking we do if you can't a you can't afford maybe to take someone out on a date b you like to have the intimacy of your own home or c it's actually a really nice thing to do is to cook someone dinner dinner for two have you done it
1: james many times when i was dating maybe four or five Dates in, I'd offered to cook dinner and have them come to mind. There's something really nice about preparing food for someone who you like. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Valentine's Day is, is important. Uh, a small caveat before we go on about this. Valentine's Day is not the only day you should tell someone that you love them or show them that you care or show that you love them. But it's definitely a date that you should mark. I have yet to find a lady that, though she might say she doesn't care, will care. I have yet to find a lady that doesn't care a card, a thought, the basics for starters, absolutely. If you can do more, great, but never forget the basics. So if you're cooking someone dinner for a date, I would say three things are important. You want to keep it simple because you don't want to spend hours in the kitchen, necessarily, or hours during the dinner time in the kitchen. So you want to keep it relatively simple to serve, if not prepare. You want it to fit to the tastes of your partner, so you always make sure that it's something that you both like. Don't start experimenting on wild and wacky recipes that you've never tried before, and you have no idea whether you or your partner like them. And lastly, tailor your food to your budget. If you're feeling flush, start getting the lobster out. If you're not feeling so a flush, a very nice homemade pasta dish will do just as good.
1: If I think about the things I've cooked that have been really successful for things like this, they're generally the basics. Pasta, shepherd's pie, fish pie, simple steamed veg, a steak. You know, it doesn't have to be hugely expensive, but something like that. You don't have to necessarily go for lobsters and truffles. It's got to be something you can reliably cook and deliver a nice meal.
0: I would always suggest a good pasta dish, not too messy. In other words, not too much heavy sauce. So I would stick to something quite light, either something like a spaghetti carbonara, not so necessarily an easy dish to make, or something like a light spaghetti or do a linguine with um, just really simply like garlic, fresh tomatoes, a bit of basil, some olive oil and lemon juice. And that's a great simple sauce. And then you just have some freshly grated parmesan, and that's a really nice, light food with some great fresh bread and a good, clean, green salad with some avocado. It's a perfectly good little meal for a Valentine's dinner. And then maybe splash out and make yourself a little bit of chocolate mousse to finish off.
1: You don't want to cook so much and serve like a really heavy, stodgy meal that you're both stuffed and just want to go to sleep afterwards because you want to actually enjoy your time together. You know, things that I've done that have gone really well and it seems that there's more effort to it than they are. Things like uh, cocova it's chicken and wine. Really easy. And the good thing with that is you can cook it in the morning and then just heat it through or you can cook it and then have it in the oven so you don't have to have a set dinner time. It's great.
0: That's a great dish. I think people um, overcomplicate things. Just keep it simple. You can go flash if your culinary skills are up to it. You could make a fantastic tornado de Rossini, a steak and pate, and defanoise potatoes, and all that sort of stuff. If you can't, then just keep it simple. The, the appreciation will be the effort that you've made in the thought
1: that you've made. One tip, which is, if you're expecting she's going to stay the night, then have something in for breakfast
0: a very wise tip
1: it gets to the morning and all you've got is a scratchy bit of cereal and and some slightly suspicious milk it's not going to give a good impression you don't have to cook a full english get a couple of croissants or some para or some fruit Something like that that just gives a nice, simple breakfast. Given my druthers, I would have a bacon sandwich for breakfast every morning, but that's (laughs) not necessarily everyone's favourite.
0: Yeah, also one of my favourite breakfasts of recent times is some good bread, generally dark bread, sort of rye if you can, crushed avocado, lime juice and maybe a little few chilli flakes and some crumbled feta on the top.
1: Oh, lovely. The Duchess is away at the moment, but she's back next week and that might be a nice treat when she comes back.
0: there you go. So if you have any questions about what to cook for Valentine's, day or you want to give us an idea for some recipes please feel free drop us an email at inquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv or drop us a message on facebook instagram twitter both at the Perfect Gentleman, or through james or i's personal accounts we always love hearing from you we are looking forward to your valentine's day stories so james as that wraps up today's episode episode 47 ready for valentine's day now
1: i am i'm going to cook uh, a really good chili bottle of wine and a good movie that's going to be our valentine's day evening a little bit dull but we like it no it's lovely
0: anyway james lovely to speak to you see you next week my friend take
1: care buddy this podcast is brought to you by the perfect gentleman
0: group did, and was edited by andy nickel at the pistachio palace